Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Thank you very much. It's good to be a part of a church that likes to support those in need. And that's very, if we're not doing that, then what the heck are we doing? Amen? Amen. And um, if we ran out of bags, that's a good thing. You know what you could do? Use your own. And here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind. Use your own. Walk up to somebody that has a bag and snap a picture of the list. All right? Look, you could do that. That would be easy. You could figure that out. So if you didn't get a bag, snap a picture because I think we're out, um, which is a good problem. And you guys can figure out how to do that. But thank you for being willing to give. Um, right now, we're going to go into our, our last message on Second Peter. So if you would join me in prayer, and then we will, we will go before the Lord before we talk about his word. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is truth. Lord God, let your word judge us, encourage us, comfort us. Let your word do all the things that you've designed it to do. Today we want to hear your word. We want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're studying 2 Peter. It's three chapters long. We've encouraged people to be reading it um, throughout this um, past three weeks. How many people have read it? Put your hand up. Anybody read it? So we got a few of you guys. Awesome. If you haven't read it, it is three chapters, and I believe you can handle, handle that. You could even do an audio book if you needed to. Um, chapter one, uh, Peter is the one who wrote this. That was one of Jesus' closest disciples, the one who walked on water, the one who was one of the key leaders in the early church. Um, and he gave us a few things that we could do to make sure that we were never ineffective or unfruitful, adding to our faith knowledge, self-control, long-suffering, brotherly kindness, love, and we talked about that two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about false teachers, and Peter gives a warning, and he says, hey, church, false teachers are going to come into the church, be aware. I tried to make the distinction, there's a difference between a false teacher and a teacher who has something wrong. Because we all get things who are wrong. I gave the example. I started preaching when I was 18 years old. Um, I guarantee you I've got something wrong over the years. That's a lot of preaching. How smart were you at 18? But um, I've corrected some things, and I've grown in my knowledge and my understanding. And no man or woman has it all together and knows everything. Um, So sometimes teachers that aren't false teachers could get something wrong, and we we, we try to correct that. Um, But we have no place for false teachers. Now, in chapter 3, he's going to talk about something completely different, and we're going to go in there, and I want to read through it with you guys. If you want to follow along in the Bible app, if you use the Bible app, um, our notes should be up in there, Um, but we will go to chapter 3, verse 1. Peter says to them, now, this now is the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. One key thing you need to remember, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are dearly loved. So everything I'm going to talk about today, everything we're going to go through, it, is, it is, comes from the love of God that you are dearly loved by God. You have to have that as your foundation for understanding the scripture that, that he gave his son for you when you were his enemy. Like when you were his enemy and when you were lost in sin, he gave his son for you then. And now if you are part of his family, 
man, what would he do for you now if you were his enemy and he died for you? And now you're born again and you believe in Christ and his spirit is inside you. Like he's really going to take care of you. Beloved, I'm writing this to you now. And I, um, in, both of them, in both of them, so both of the letters that he wrote, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. That word stirring up is kind of interesting. When you, when you go and you look it up, it's the same word that could be used of the sea that Peter walked on. Remember when, if, if you remember the Bible story where, where Jesus came walking in the midst of the storm and the sea it was stirred up and there were wind and there were waves and it was just unsettled and, and Peter actually walked on the water with Jesus. That's that same type of word. And let me tell you something, God needs us to be stirred up. One of the easiest things to happen to believers is we're not stirred up. There's no motion on the inside. Picture a sea that is raging with power and in motion and, and it can't sit still. Do you have that in you? Is that, is that coming out of you? Has the word of God stirred you up enough that you can't sit still? And Peter wants to remind us, and he reminds us of a few things. Number one, remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Now, we can go back to that verse real quick. Remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So there's two things, and you saw it on that last slide, but it says right there, predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of our Savior. If you really want to get stirred up, and if you really want to get out of apathy, because we can all be apathetic, we can all get stuck in the mundaneness of life, of you just going to work and coming home and watching a Netflix show, and now that series is done, and we got to find something else to watch, and scrolling through the list, and, and people are texting you and calling you, and social media is boring because it's the same people posting the same pictures, and you know half of them are lying. And you're just like, ah. But if you want to be stirred up, Remember that the Lord has predicted, he has told us what will happen in the future. And Peter's going to get into it very succinctly, but he's going to tell us what God has prophesied through the holy prophets. And then remember the commandments. Just because we're saved by grace, it doesn't mean that we haven't been given commandments. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I've loved you. The commandment to be loving and to be compassionate in church, I, I recognize that in you, that when we said, who wants a bag and who would take time to go and, and fill these things up extra, we didn't have enough to hand out, and so I think that you're there, but we have to stay there. And the only way you stay there, and Peter gives us two things, remember the prophetic words, the predictions, and remember the commandments that we are commanded to do these things. And so let's go through and let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about this. Verse 3, verse three, Peter is telling what has been prophesied, knowing this first of all. So first of all, of most importance, that scoffers, that's not a word we use a lot, but you can throw that in your vocabulary, start to sound smart, all right? Be like Scrabble word right there, scoffers. Played Scrabble last night. 
I beat my family because my wife wasn't there. If my wife was there, she would have kicked my behind. But scoffer, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. All right, that makes sense. If they're scoffers, they're scoffing. Well, what does that mean? Another word for mockers, people that make fun of, talk junk. I use the polite word. Junk talkers will come in the last days with junk talking. And the junk that they're talking is not just about the ideas that the believers believe, but it's about the believers. If you look what that word means in, in the Greek, it's, it's actually not only are they attacking your ideas, but they're attacking you individually. So expect that to happen. If you're going to stand for your faith, not only are they going to say, hey, you're crazy for believing that, that's a crazy idea, but they're going to attack you. That idea is crazy, so you are crazy. That idea is not good, so you are not good. And you know I don't mean that, babe, right? That's just an example? All right, I'm just trying to be, she's Puerto Rican, she might cut me. Okay, anyways. But the scoffers, they will follow their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were since the beginning of creation. See, one of the foundational beliefs as a believer is, is of course, we know that the cross took away our sins, that Jesus rose again, and we can be resurrected and born again in him. But there's another key piece that we can't move away from. It's the idea that Jesus is coming back. Now, that's a crazy idea, but I literally believe Jesus is coming back with all of my heart that, that he is going to come back and make things right. That's a great thing, and you got to hold on to it. When you, and when you share that with some people, sometimes they're going to scoff. They're going to be like, you really believe this carpenter who died 2,000 years ago is coming back in the clouds? That he's going to make the world right and, and punish iniquity and reward the righteous? And yes, I do. Because the word says it. But where is the promise of his coming? If they were saying that back in Peter's time, we're talking, this was maybe written 30, 40 years after Jesus. If they were saying that then, they're going to say it now nearly 2,000 years after his life. Verse 5, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens and the earth existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. God created the world by his word. They deliberately looked past the fact that God created the world. Um, you know, I... The means of God's creation, that's up for debate. How did it happen? And all I'm saying is, is, is I really believe God created the world. You could believe that nothing exploded and everything came out of it. That sounds crazy. Just as crazy as me believing God created the world. Now, how God did it and, and the science behind everything, 
Um, hey, we can look and we can try to understand as much as possible. But the point is that God created the world and life is fragile. I looked up and it, there's a, at minimum 200 to 100,000 species every year going to extinction. Life is fragile. Any one of us in here can kill stuff. Even the dumbest of us can kill a mosquito, can kill a bug, can kill a plant. None of us can create anything. We can't give life to anything. But God did give life. And that God is the author of creation. Let's not get caught up in the means, but get caught up on on the one who did it. And then verse 6, it says, The world um, was deluged with water and perished. So don't forget that God punished the world once. There was a time when God had it up to here, and he picked just one man and his family, and everybody else, time's up. I can't wait any longer. It's not, nothing good will come from this. They had exhausted his patience. They were found condemned. And Peter's telling that because that time is coming again. But God created the world by his word. He created it. In verse 7, it says, By that same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. This is not light reading. And I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer. This should actually give the believer hope. The ungodly will be no more. That's good. When Jesus comes back, sin is gone. There's no more people going to rip you off. You will not get cut off in traffic ever again. Nobody will ever be double parked when you're in a rush. Child molesters. Kids won't get molested anymore. Wife beaters. Murderers. Abusers. Con men. Cowards. Gone. Wouldn't that be nice that everybody you talked to you knew was good and and holy and right? Like, that'd be a good place. Nobody's going to steal your identity. Don't need the life lock anymore. No insurance because some idiot could hit you and run off and now you're, you got to take care of it. No more sickness, no more disease. The destruction of the ungodly, the day of judgment. That's good. Should be encouraging. But it should stir us up for our loved ones that are not in Christ. And our neighbors and the people we work with. Because it's coming, whether we like it or not. But do not overlook this fact, verse 8. Beloved, remember your loved. So even though God is coming to destroy, 
the ungodly. Don't overlook this fact that what the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years are as one day. It's basically saying time and God don't operate like, like us in time. The way you look at time is not the way God looks at time. We think it's been a heck of a long time since Jesus died and rose again. For God, he lives in eternity. It's not been that long. But the key things I want you to get out of these verses is, number one, judgment is coming. The universe will dissolve, and the ungodly will be destroyed. Now, the reason I put the universe will dissolve is because that was in the verse, but maybe that will make us live differently. That car you love that you put your life into, it's going to go. That little bit of paper you stored is going to burn. That ring on your finger is going to melt away. It says the very elements of the universe will dissolve. God will make a complete new heavens and a new earth. He has to to get rid of sin, to get rid of evil. And it should stir us up. Not that we don't want nice things. Not that we can't have nice things. But that nice things won't have us. And that we'll store our treasure in heaven where it will never dissolve. Where it will never go away. Verse 9. Now this is important and this right here should, should encourage a lot of us. It says, now the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that each, I'm sorry, that all should reach repentance. See, God's taking time. He's giving people a chance to repent. Uh, you don't understand this and if you've not had a bunch of children like I do. Sometimes you give them a chance I'm coming downstairs. That kitchen better be done. I'm not slow. I'm giving them a chance to get it right. I'm coming. Here I come. A few minutes. I don't hear any moving. Why is the video game on? I'm trying to stir them up to be about their father's business. God's trying to stir us up. I'm coming. Get ready. Get ready. Be about my business. But the fact of the matter is, even as an earthly father, sometimes I come down the stairs. And there's judgment on the ungodly. And those who are found about their father's business are rewarded. And God is going to do that too. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. What does that mean? Thieves don't announce it. No thief, at least as far as I could tell, says, hey, tomorrow night, 4 a.m., I'm sneaking in your window. I'm going to rummage around your garage. I'm going to steal your air compressor. Then I'm going to sneak upstairs and try to look for any jewelry. 
Thieves don't do that. They come when you least expect it. So when you least expected a Jesus, and Jesus, as he was talking to his disciples about this, as he was talking to Peter about this, he actually goes back and says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and getting married and being given in marriage, and, and then the flood came. Don't be caught off guard, because the heavens will pass away with a roar. Verse, or as we continue on, um, and is the rest of verse 10, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Do you know what's, it's going to be amazing. Everything will be exposed. We'll know the truth about every politician. Every politician, every single one of them. Every liar, every deceiver, exposed. And may we be found in the grace of God and covered with his mercy and with his blood so that we're not exposed. And may all of us be covered with the blood of Christ so that we're clothed in his righteousness and not exposed. Verse 11, it says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? If this is going to happen and you believe it, how should you live? How, uh, answer it. If you really believe that. Now, the problem, I, re- I read this study, when, 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 um, and they did this very interesting study, and, and it comes down to this. Uh, when you talk to someone about their impending death, we all know we're going to die, right? Like, none of us are. We all know we're frail and, you know, things happen. But when you talk to a person, they did some studies, and I, I read about it. I could shoot you the article. When you talk to them about somebody else's death, they can really empathize with it. But when you talk to them and they were scanning their brains, when they talk, when they talk to you or me or any person about our own coming death, we, like, block it out. There's something that happens in our brain where we really can't conceive it. We have no conception that our lives will end. And so even though I've just been reading the Word of God, which I believe is true and holy and good, many of us are sitting in this room and we're blocking it out and we're saying, eh, but, you know, eh. We're blocking it out. But if that's really true, what sort of people should we be? What sort of people? What, what sort of passion should drive us? What, should, what sort of holiness should grip us? And the point I want to make, and you can fill it on the back, is know what's coming and act accordingly. Dad's coming downstairs. Sometimes my kids don't believe it. They're like, he's not really coming. No, I, He's coming. To give each according to his works. Verse 12. It says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Waiting for. So we're waiting for that. When people talk about how messed up the world is, and and, and I get into conversations with people, 
I say that's my, my hope is that Jesus is going to come back and make it right. That, that won't have, kids won't get molested anymore. P- things won't be stolen anymore. Drug addicts won't be addicted anymore. God is going to make everything right. So we're waiting for and we're hastening. That word hastening has a sense of, of being zealous, getting ready, getting motivated, being being about the father's business, like he's going to come back and, and, and he's going to have a punishment, he's going to have a reward, and we're not doing it for reward, but, but at least to avoid punishment, you know, and, and we're about his business and it's going to happen and we should be ready with a little bit of zeal for the coming day of God. It is happening. The day of the Lord, the return of the Lord is a theme that's found all throughout the Scripture. And I think it's about 1,845 times it's talked about in some way or another. But that's good. The other thing I wrote in my notes that, that you just need to know is that on that day that he returns and judges the ungodly, telemarketers will be no more. That touched my heart right there. And I did write that down. But each, but um, waiting for, hastening, getting ready, being zealous for the day of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt and, as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There's something in people that wants new. This phone came out about 12 months ago. They have a new one. There are some people that took the same phone I have and they said, give me the new one with the updates and the third camera and the upgrade. There's, there's something in all of us that wants new because we know things aren't right. This new heavens and this new earth, this upgrade that God is going to do will be wonderful will be miraculous, and we wait for it according to his promise. And as we keep going, something I want you to know is, is something better is promised to us who believe his promise. Something better. So even though Peter talks about the judgment on the ungodly, and we have to understand that, and we have to know it's coming, and that should drive us to, to, to not be ungodly, to find our, 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 our wholeness in Christ, to be transformed by his grace, to reach out to our neighbors and our loved ones that don't know him so that they can be saved. Like that should push us. That should spurn us because like they're going to be judged and you know the truth. And so there should be something inside of you like an ocean stirred up that's like, Gosh, I got to say something. I got I to do something. Maybe all I know how to do is invite them to church. There's a hangout next week. Just come. Maybe they'll hear, or maybe I could just bless them with something or read one scripture. And maybe you don't know what to do, but you should be so stirred up that at least you do something because of the judgment on the ungodly, the excitement that God's promise is going to come, and it's going to be um, in, in our house and even up to my oldest child. And now my little baby, who's like 19 months, she says it, when I walk in the door at the end of the day at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 o'clock, depending on the day, they say, Daddy home. 
and the little baby daddy home, and they run up and they give me a hug. And for us, that's how it should be. Daddy's home. It's all okay now. We're safe. We're cared for. We're protected. Where the fullness of his promise is coming to pass, he didn't leave us. He came back. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, again we see that word beloved, you are loved. Since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and be at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation. You know, Christ talks about coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. I have enough ladies in my life that are my mom and sister and wife and kids and most of the ladies that I know, uh, sister-in-law-in-law, they, when they go out and they get ready, they put a little effort into it. Guys, we put on clothes. <laughs> deodorant, you know, if we're feeling like it's something important, we'll put on some deodorant. We'll shave. But the ladies, they want to look good most of the time. You know, I'm not saying every lady, not trying to make general, generalities, but the ladies in my life. As Christ's bride, we should want to look good for him. We should want to be without spot, blemish, wrinkle. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation. In verse 18, and this kind of goes back to the first chapter that we read, because this is really... He kind of ends the book with how he began the book. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. The last thing is God has commanded us to grow. That was a command. Peter gave it, but it's God's word. God commanded us to grow. And I really believe if you're not growing, you're dying. I know God's commanded us to grow, but if you're not growing, if you're not getting stronger, if you're not, if you're not increasing your knowledge, you're slowly withering away. So where are you? Who, where, where are you right now? Hopefully something in this word stirred you up. It wasn't my word. It, it, Peter wrote this but under the inspiration of the Spirit. But grow in the grace and the knowledge. Just put that last verse back up there please. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Know Him. Know Him so that when He comes back, you're one of the ones shouting. He's home. Your hands are up in praise and, and you're looking at it like, oh, finally, all will be made right. While the telemarketer is stealing your social security number, like, ah, away and they're burning. No, I'm just kidding. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you, would you close your eyes for a second? I don't know where you're at. I hope this word is stirring you up. It stirred me up as I studied it over the past couple of weeks. And I'm thinking about the return of Christ and how essential that is to a, a good understanding of Jesus is not just that he died and he rose again and his He's forgiven our sins, but He is returning in justice and righteousness to restore all things. That's our hope. Everything will be made right. That's our hope. 
But if you sense God stirring you today, if you feel like that God is trying to stir you up and awaken your heart, I would like to know who I'm going to pray for right now. If, if you sense that, would you just put your hand up and say, yeah, I feel, I feel God stirring me today. I feel like he's challenging me to grow, grow closer to him and to grow deeper with him. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you, beloved. First of all, know that you are beloved. He loves you deeply. God, let your grace fall on this church freshly. Help us to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Help us to know him. Help our hearts to be stirred up, to have passion for you and for the things of God. Help us to look forward to your return like the kids waiting for their, da- for their dad to return from a far trip or their mom to come home. God, that we would stir, be stirred up and look for you. And God, that in this time, while we're waiting, let us be about your business. Let us be diligent. We know we won't be perfect, but may we be diligent. May we be passionate and live according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob.